Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're very excited today. We have Sam Stia joining us to talk about his debut novel. It's called The Edge of Elsewhere. And it's super cool because it's taking the issues of climate change and merging it with sci-fi. Um, and that is, you know, you got to think about it. Um, yeah, we we always think about what's going to happen. We're seeing all the reports on, um, you know, global warming, you know, pollution and all of that. And you think, okay, at the end of the day, what, where are we going? And that's kind of that cool thing that he's put together in his book. And it also looks about um, the Earth's beauty. And that's important, too, because our natural space and everything we have around us is, is a beauty. So we want to protect it. So, very excited to have him join it. His book is out now, The Edge of Elsewhere. You can get it on all the online stores, Amazon, all those places. And uh, don't forget to ask your independent bookstore to also carry it. And you can also go to his website. It's elsewheresedge.com. So welcome, Sam. How are you doing? Oh, good. I'm fine. I'm here in Pennsylvania enjoying a beautiful uh, partly cloudy day in central ah. Pennsylvania. Cool. Now, are you going to do the awesome. polka? I just have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the Pennsylvania no, 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 you... uh, no, that's yeah, no, no I don't, I, I'm nope. generally, um, I'm generally more of a, a house person, you ah, know, as just... opposed to a polka dancer. So okay, there it is. He's he's a little different on that. No, I'm just I have to mess with you all that. But I mean, since we, you're yes. up in central Pennsylvania, I know Nancy and I have traveled a lot through Pennsylvania this this year. We're going to do some more. And um, and this might be airing while we're in Pennsylvania, too. Uh, as we record it today, Nancy and I are in Peachtree City, Georgia. And it's really fun to start reading your book uh, here because this is the place where they film uh, all the zombie movies and The Walking Dead. And when I think about climate change, I feel like we're going to end up there. <laughs> That's what we're going to be looking like at the end of it when you think about what's happening in the world. Um, and getting into more sci-fi things. It's interesting that you put the two... Uh, well, sci-fi and climate change. Do you yep. read a lot of sci-fi? Oh no, I, I I really don't have much time to read novels, but I did as a kid, and I and I really enjoy sci-fi movies and um, articles and things like that. It's actually actually when you merge sci-fi. I'm sorry, when you merge sci-fi and climate change, there's a new term called cli-fi, and uh, wow. I think that's and that's starting and this book falls under that uh heading of cli-fi and uh we need more of it uh we need imagination to turn to this issue to bring it more in the forefront of uh the media and pop culture yes Mm. i think that's a i think it's absolutely true Let's, you want to give every, I've started reading it and I'm, I'm enjoying your writing as well. It, this is, takes you just, you're right there, you know, um, but I want to ask you to give everyone kind of an overview of the story so that I don't mess it up, couldn't give anything away, but it's oh, cool. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, the story takes place, it actually takes place in several different times. It starts off in, in the World's Fair in 1963, mm. uh, and uh, it turns out that Albert Einstein um, was able to time travel. He, he didn't make that public, but did figure out the keys or did figure out the mathematics behind time travel. And he, um, of course, he died in 1955, but the book starts in 1963 at the World's Fair. And he comes and he is amazed at, uh, you know, he traveled from 1943 to 19, past his death in 1955 to 1963. So he basically traveled from World War II to the beauty, the progress, and the peace of 1963 um, in the United States in New York, Flushing Meadows, New York. And he's amazed at the progress and the peace and the, and, and the, um, and the way people are to each other. He's never mm-hmm. experienced this before. Uh, and then he, uh, he, t- he talks to people, and then he sees the unisphere, which is that metal globe. It's gray metal globe. And he realizes there's something wrong with what's happening. Um, there's peace, there's prosperity, there's happiness, there's joy, there's technology. But man's symbol of the future is the earth uh, and perhaps satellites orbiting the earth, but it's gray, it's steel, and it's cold. Nature will be forgotten in mankind's pursuit of advancement in technology. That, mm. That's what the, that's what the uh, preface leaves you with. And then, and then the book breaks to, to uh, 2079, which is um, more or less, uh, it's 60 years from now, but about 100 years from Einstein's uh, uh, travels. Uh, 2079, Mm. um, um, and uh, the Earth is um, in a bad spot. There's been runaway climate change. Glaciers have melted. Sea levels have risen. Um, CO2 levels in the uh, atmosphere have gone up, creating a... uh, much warmer world, a much more damp world, cloudy. And uh, basically uh, there have been a lot of forest fires. The world is covered with the ash of nature. Um, The book starts in New Jersey, in Princeton, New Mm -hmm. Jersey. And uh, these kids have inherited this world, and they make the best of things, there's a lot of deprivation going on and it's made clear in their lives and in their recent pasts. For example, their, their father, uh, there's Abby and Paul, their father passed away a few years back of a simple pneumonia. Mm. Um, and they live, they live in or near the ruins of Princeton university. And then, um, uh, and then they discover things and they discover Einstein's, um, way of time traveling. He That's wrote cool. it down. He kept it hidden. But uh, one day they went into his house and they found something hidden. And uh, with their with Abby uh, Abby's brother uh, Paul, who is um, uh, someone who is um, housebound oh. because of asthma, they yeah. figure it all out. And and they and they do indeed after a bit of a. Tra- uh, 
a bit of traveling and walking through the desolate uh, earth uh, or the world where they live. I, I made a, I gave it a bit of a description as they were traveling um, to uh, kind of do some world building uh, from in in the area in the uh, year of 2079. But they find a means of time travel. And they go back to 1971, New York City, Central Park, and they meet people, they meet hippies, they realize what was lost, and they also realize um, the hopelessness of not being able to change things because embedded Mm. in human nature is a disregard for the natural world and a usurpation of the natural world. They discover that and Mm. they discover that there's no changing it, but they, they do other things that give them meaning in life. And that is the key by which the future itself can be changed. It's it's a book of hope. It's a book of hope, and it, it's kind of a new perspective, not from what we see, but from what our children's children will mm. see, and what we are missing now, and perhaps what we can recapture to build a better future. Mm. It, it's kind of it's kind of like a, a fable, you know. Mm. Uh, it yeah, involves it... Uh, it involves music from the '60s and '70s some things that were remembered and sung to her years ago um, in Abby's mind. Um, it involves art. She knows the, she knows nature by looking at art in books, disregarded books um, from Princeton library. Mm. Uh, she's, she knows what was lost, but only through books. Uh, and she experiences the past by considering pieces of art she knows about. And she yeah. and she uh, she is um, considers poets from 19th and 20th century her friends, and she thinks in terms of their poetry. So it, it's quite. It, it, I think it's an insightful book. I I think it plants the seeds for a, a different way of thinking and a different mm-hmm. way of looking at the world. I from like the time travel is smart. I think the time travel part is really smart because. You know, we want to show what was what it was like in the past. You want to see this is what it's coming, where we're headed. That's important. Yes. And and have that urgency, but also, like you said, it's um, there is beauty in there because if it's over alarming, people turn off. You know. Feeling stuck in your current job, looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. What I mean, if there isn't that beauty side of it, too, there's got to be positivity. Yeah, and hope. Well, well, there must be hope. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? And and that that is even mentioned in the book too that they're they're searching for hope and they they want to find hope and they find a reason to hope. 
and to make mm-hmm. their lives worthwhile. So, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if you look at kids nowadays, boy, I was really struck. Kids that went out in the street last year and tried to, you know, make a, a raise yeah. awareness. This was this was before all that uh, pandemic, all this yeah. pandemic stuff. Uh, but kids, you know. Uh, it was kind of almost a party atmosphere, but uh, they're doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much. They are not so much. Not so much the uh, you know the twenty somethings, but the the kids. You know the teen, early, younger teens, and the and the ten year olds and the eight year olds. You know, so so there is hope that way. I, this book mm-hmm. was kind of written for that. This book was kind of written for that. You know. Yeah, and um, I think it's important too because I you know if I was a teenager right now. It would scare me about it. It would be scary. I mean, that's the one thing I, I keep looking at with what's going on in the world. Even, you know, just all the political fights. And I mean, it just doesn't feel like so exciting to be here, you know, for, for young, you know, you and Nancy, you know, this is, you know, interesting with you and, and you know, going back to the seventies and, and the hippie side mm-hmm. and, and you, you were saying, you know, everything we're talking about now was, you know, you, you were out there saying, Hey, you know, and it's here, yeah. it's happening. Well, and the, so it, yeah, you can't say it wasn't there. No, that's what true. I tried to, that's what I tried to capture. See, I, I, I was born in 63. I mean, the seventies were, I mean, you know, I, I don't remember much of the sixties. I start to remember the seventies, uh, but uh, there was an energy um, and a, and a positive and a, um, a sense that, something we can change things mm-hmm. you know the vietnam war and protesters and uh you know and they did they did that and i think that's what's needed now um on a global scale this idea that the world can still uh find uh, people can find and search and think their way out of this you know we're on mm-hmm. we're in the, we're going down the wrong we're going down a wrong direction, we can pull back and go a different direction. Young people need to, to uh, make this more, um, need, to, need to put this in front of us. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and the baby boomers also need to recognize what this is and go back to the 60s and 70s and remember back then what it was like to feel hopeless almost. And to rage against that and protest, um, mm. we need to get that back here. And I think part of the solution would be to somehow change our political system where um, people, younger people will be able to run and not have to be a millionaire or a billionaire in order to run for office. I think that we need younger people in the government in the spaces Absolutely. there, of course. Because sure. yes. when you look at, you know, when you look at our senates, our senate and our Congress, and you look at all these old, old people, sorry people, falling, falling asleep. Yeah, <laughs> falling asleep. <laughs> you know, I, well, I don't uh, know that they're making laws that are going to help the youth, or they're making laws that are protecting their their own personal property, where well, their minds are at. And and again, this is mentioned in the book, but people, I I, I used the forty year old when, you know. A distinction is made in the book between older and younger people. 
older mm. people tend to be focused on the status quo because that's that's mm-hmm. uh, where their interests lie. Younger people are invested in their future because that's where their hope is. You know, right. there's, and there's there's always that, and there's always going to be that. Mm. But yeah. older people must look at their kids as their ultimate investment, and where you know, and uh, where their kids are going to be living, and where their kids' kids are going to be living. I, I just don't see that here, you know, especially mm. where I live. Nope, nobody thinks that way. Everyone's. Mm. I don't know, they, they're fracking everywhere and, uh, you know, just doing the opposite of what should be done. Um, I'm worried about fracking. I'm worried that our country is investing more and more in fossil fuels. Other countries mm-hmm. are turning away from fossil fuels. We are, build, we are rebuilding our economy on fossil fuels. The exact worst thing that we – that that – that that uh, could be done. We're doing. I mean, I mean, I mean. I hate to say this, but uh, Europe and, and Asia are thinking ahead. Uh, we're thinking of prosperity of of the past, which is fossil fuels. Other countries are are building solar cells, and we're we're um, digging the earth for fossil fuel. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not an absolute black and white thing, but America has gone backwards on this, and this is the defining issue of the 21st century. Who's ever in power now is thinking backwards. Exactly. And sooner or later, our prosperity is going to be sunk by it. Yeah. It's, mm. You know, we, we lived in Kenya for um, a few years, and then we lived in South Africa for a few years. We lived in England for a few years. And when we came back to this country, we'd been out of the of the country for so long that it was like for us, even though we were both born here and lived here for many years, when we returned here, it was like going to a whole different world compared to how other people are handling problems around the world or in the places that we lived. And this is a very um, money-oriented society. And that seems to be how we make our decisions. It's about money and comfort, convenience, more than what what is really good and healthy for people. Mm. Yeah, I, I see that, I, and I see that here with the fracking yeah. industry. Yeah, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's 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 a terrible thing to see. Yeah. To it's, see this and to see and to see bigger and bigger SUVs, it's just we are going down the wrong direction. And I speak mm-hmm. of our country. I, I speak of our country more than any place, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, I, we, also traveling around, we're seeing there's the fracking, but we're also seeing oil wells in people's backyards. And that's yeah. like a whole, it, it's wild in certain areas. I've seen that and I'm like, oh, well, you know, what what's happening I mean, how healthy can that be? Um, the one one thing I, I like in your book, you talk about uh, Paul, Abby's brother, being asthmatic. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, the asthma. I wonder if we would have had asthma as much without all this pollution. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day in, in North Carolina. He's like, gosh, I'd love to see you guys when you get here. But I've got asthma. And so the COVID thing, he doesn't, you know, the whole, he just, 
quarantined in. He's not going out anywhere because of it. And he said he got it from living in L.A. for so many years. And I'm like, that's where it is. It's like being a canary in the mine, you know? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. And there's, I think there is a link between fracking and asthma in, in mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, connect, I, the book is about connections. And what I was implying with Paul's condition is, number one, it's brought about by, um, not, of, of course, pollution, but also <clears throat> by the degradation of nature and dust also mm-hmm. also it was an it's an incredibly treatable disease with what we have now but what mm-hmm. we have now in terms of technology and medicines we may not have in 50 or 100 years because um of a depleted infrastructure mm-hmm. due to with climate change i mean climate change affects everything from water mm-hmm to people, to where people live, coastal areas. It affects, it affects uh, food supply. Um, I'm, I'm just concerned. Uh, my, my great fear, it's almost like the fear of living with nuclear war in the 70s. Or that's, that's, yeah, that's how I feel. That's why I said about the yeah. zombies, is that kind of feeling of, of the unimaginable could happen when, you know, and yeah. I wonder too about new diseases. I know you're a physician as well. So there's that other part of climate yes. change. And I wonder things like COVID and the pandemic. I wonder if with this climate change, are we not getting new bacteria and viruses popping up because the climate, the temperature is changing and, oh, I, I, and I, 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 the system I, I think of the, of the land is gone, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's. I think we're going to see more diseases, more epidemics, more pandemics because number one, people are going to be moving from bad areas to not so bad areas. And I'm not talking about moving. I'm talking of individuals or even communities. I'm talking about entire populations of people moving. And uh, you know, and of course, there's going to be problems with infrastructure and clean water. And uh, there's going to be um, perhaps... 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Perhaps with uh, the melting of the tundra, perhaps germs and viruses that that have that humans have never been in contact with are are going to be uh, regenerated, you know, with ice melting and the tundra melting and and 
Oh, this is and, and, and another impetus for the book is that this is an if 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 uh, COVID COVID is a dress rehearsal for what's what I think could potentially happen with the health issues of climate change. With COVID, we may have a light at the end of the tunnel, i.e., a vaccine or a, a drug. With climate change, there is no light at the end of the tunnel because when the systems start collapsing, they mm. cannot. It, it's going to get worse and worse. The hole will get deeper and deeper. Everything mm. that we're doing now is making that more likely. I don't and, want to and, go and down I'm that talking... hole. <laughs> What's that? What's that? I said I don't want to go down there. <laughs> Well, that, that's why. Well, that's why I wrote the book, and that's why I'm talking to you now. And perhaps mm. other people listening to this could say, "Oh, geez, uh, uh, holy smokes! Maybe we should look at the world mm. a little, uh, just a bit differently." Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe Sam Stia has something there. Uh, let me consider this uh, clarify a book. Let me consider a different point of view. Perhaps we should elect. Perhaps our elected officials should see this. Or feel this more somehow, or maybe look at it from a different perspective. Do you know that movie? Um, there was a movie that came out in the eighties called uh, uh, "The Day After." Do, do you remember that? It was about mm. the uh, a nuclear war and the the day after. Does yeah. that sound familiar? No. I, huh. Yeah, I might have seen it. Write it down. It, it was a made-for-TV movie about nuclear war, hmm. and. Um, and I really think that changed perception and perspectives. It changed perspectives mm. of people in power. Uh, it was called The Day After. It was, it, I think it was 1983. And I remember watching it in college. And it scared the hell out of everyone. And I remember mm. there was even interviews with, uh, I think it was one of Reagan's, uh, someone on Reagan's staff at the time. But I do think it changed perspectives, and I think it led to um, denuclearization in the late '80s. That's what popular mm. culture, and which, and what science, and and what fiction can do. It, it could just allow people a different perspective, and uh, perhaps a more real perspective. Uh, then, or, or perhaps a perspective that people don't necessarily want to start thinking about because it's too scary. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the arts have always been the best, you know, delivery of good and bad messaging. You know, in other words, that, that, like telling the story of what is going on. And it, it's actually been a really good way of telling the truth and, and sharing history and because it's art, the arts are a way of their living history. You know, they're always giving the what's going on in, in the day now. I mean, that's the the beauty of like the music from the seventies and late sixties and seventies. They were like, "Hey, man, you know what's going on?" You know, hey, now, well, yeah. You know, they were doing a lot of that, and um, I think that's but, um, but yeah, yes, and it's and at some level, art can make history. You know, look look at the book. Uh, look at the book. Um, um, 
It was called Uncle Tom's Cabin. It was written. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I forget who wrote it. Uh, uh, I forget her name. Uh, Beecher Stowe. Harriet Beecher Stowe. Yeah. She wrote it. I don't think it. I mean, it didn't cause the Civil War, but it changed perceptions of slavery, which mm-hmm. made uh, which made abolition um, of slavery more likely because it changed perspectives. It put people in into that world, people in the North. And I think Queen Victoria cried over the novel. Uh, but um, art can be a powerful vehicle in that way. Art could be a medium change as opposed mm-hmm. to reflecting society, you know, as opposed to being a reflection of society. Yeah, and, I think we need art for change, and we need to really examine our political system and and maybe look at who should be running for office based on what kind of experience. You know, like why would somebody be in charge of something they know nothing about? For example, um, the commander in chief of our our forces in this country is the president, and if he's never served, how? Why should you be chief of something you've never done? Well, uh, you know. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I'm just thinking we maybe are uh, how we are how we're running things needs to reflect something a little bit more um, make sense. You know, like yeah. you wouldn't have a head of a hospital. Um, know nothing about medicine or sure sure yeah so that's what I'm saying you're like I wouldn't want a chef <clears throat> to make dinner for me who's never cooked so of course. yeah so um, it's up to people to vote the right people into office that's that's the issue that that's the real issue yeah and uh, uh, for example I think uh, there was a um, you know, right now Biden is uh, the the, uh, the uh, Democratic nominee. But six months ago, I believe the governor from Washington was running on a climate change platform. But he um, uh, he he um, he left early, I think, because uh, this mm-hmm. wasn't this. Uh, mm. Boy, that would have been a major shift in thinking to mm-hmm. have. To I forget his name, uh, geez, Governor Washington. Mm. Maybe somebody can Google it. But uh, boy, would have that would have shaken things up. Well, yeah, we, because but uh, the thing uh, is, we've got the money. That's it's about where who's paying what, and that's part of the, yeah. the broken part of our system is, yeah. you know, who's paying for what, and that's where it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. Well, it, it, we should. It shouldn't. You shouldn't have to have all this money to run. All that money to go into homelessness exactly. and cleaning up our drains and, you know, cleaning up schools that have mold in them, you know, cleaning up our yeah. environment. And instead of exactly. these hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars that go into all these people's pockets for nothing, it, we could really. And it's so to me, the election system isn't fair at all that way. And it, there should well. be no campaign contributions. It could, should be real debates that are handled a, yeah. a little bit better. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, after that last one. But again, it, it all comes down to an informed democracy, mm-hmm. an, an informed elector, an informed uh, electorate. I guess that's yeah. the right word. An, an informed mm-hmm. democracy. Um, 
we uh, I don't know um, this this issue has been um, I don't know if the word is neglected but it's been under um, it's not been approached it and it may be because it's scary or maybe it's just too uh, it goes against the grain of um, our what we think are the underpinnings of our uh, economy, i.e., the fossil fuel industry, and no one wants to touch that. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's been underrepresented yeah. in in our schools and in our uh, dialogue and, and and even in our art. And again, that's why the book is is made. I mm. think it's also I think people fear right. Change is always brings about fear. And I think yes. people have this absolute paranoia of being unplugged, you know. Well, and they're, just, they're in denial. <laughs> no, know, they don't. I mean, there's a, in there's a fear of not having, you know, electricity. And so fossil fuels is a big deal because it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to end up with no electricity, which is not true. Maybe there's solar. There's all kinds of new things. Um, so there's all of those fears and there's comfort, right, and change. It's not a fun change is always change is always difficult, but boy, we just need to look right over the horizon mm-hmm. we, we, we need to look right over the crest of the next hill to know that change yeah. is absolutely and fundamentally needed right now mm-hmm. um, i'm afraid I'm afraid this uh I'm not sure where this election is going, but boy, we could really start right now, you know. Right. And who's ever listening to this podcast out there in, um, you know, podcast land, uh, uh, see the world through perhaps the eyes of your children yet to be or your children's children. And mm-hmm. uh, the science is absolutely real and it's absolutely scary there's no denying climate science and you're hearing this from a physician i that that's i base my work on science and mm-hmm. probabilities it, you know and uh it's coming from a, a doctor i've been a doctor for uh, since 1989 um so i mean the science should not be taken lightly or the science it it, it it must always be challenged, but it's reached a point in a depth where um, it is it has it is real science, and it's and it uh, and it's um, and its predictions are um, and the predictions that this science is making are dire predictions for mm-hmm. uh, our survival in the next century. It's basically, I, it's, it's basically like saying there's an, it's basically like saying there's an asteroid heading to the planet and it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 200 million miles away, but our science and our mathematics as shown by 20 computers using different methods have shown that the, this will impact the earth in 50 years. I think people would pay attention to that. And I don't know why that would be more considered than this, you know. I, I just don't understand that. Maybe people can visualize the asteroid more as yeah, opposed to this. Yeah, just like COVID. Being, if people yeah, could see yeah, the virus, then yeah, they yeah, would. Yeah, yes, people see the virus, 
but you can't really see climate change. I mean, you can see a polar bear in the Arctic, but mm-hmm. I think it's hard to translate that into, you know, my life, you know. Right. right. Well, it's even hard to imagine, um, like, the oceans rising, you know. And, yes. it, you know, it's like, how are you, how are you going to tell? I think there's you, there's things like that that the imagination will only go so far. But sure, I think sure. that most people really do know there's a problem. I just, I just feel like um, they don't feel like it will touch them personally. Mm-hmm. And that's the big, that's the issue. Yes, that's yeah. an important issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it it's and and you know if you're older. And you don't have uh, children, maybe you don't care. You know, if mm-hmm. you're going to be gone before it gets really bad, I guess maybe you don't care. I don't That's know. That's not I, very I, nice. I don't, and I you don't know? understand that. <laughs> I just don't understand that. <laughs> I, I can't see it, but, you know, it's it's even like, you know, when, when you go by some places where they're developing and they're tearing out all the trees, I, I wonder you know, if people ever stop and think, if we keep building these great big complexes, which are sitting empty right now, um, and tearing down the trees and getting rid of all the plant life, where do we think we're going to get oxygen from? Hmm. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. N- nature is not infinite. Yeah. Nor um, does- nor does and, nature care about the human race. Well, know, we were, we, yeah. we were just in we were just in a hurricane. Um, yeah. Uh, in Hurricane Sally, and we didn't get hurt, but the area near us got you know battered. And then trees did come down in areas because we were also mm-hmm. in a forested area where we're staying. And so where we were, we expect was you know a major major flood zones, and we're getting every alarm bells going off. And so where we were was fine. And I was, I, we kept running out and looking because there was so much rain because we got this tropical storm on top of it. But the water didn't flood where we were. And this is, we were on a farm that has yeah. been left natural. There's some growing on it, but it's done in a nice way. And, um, I, you know, there's something about the way the sand and the soil is and the health of the soil. And, you know, I went afterwards, I'd go run an errand and, go down the road and places are flooded and trees are like down and there are some serious issues, but these are all areas that had concrete. And, um, Mm -hmm. these are all these, you know, you pave paradise. And when, when, you know, a hurricane or something like comes through, that is actually a natural occurrence, but we're getting a whole bunch of them now, a little bit more than normal, then there's no place for the water to go. And if your soil isn't healthy or you've covered up the soil, Mm -hmm. mother nature can't help you anymore. But if, Mother yeah. Nature was there, it would have been, you know, so it was really interesting just to watch that difference, you know, and, and see just, I mean, a, a matter of two miles difference. <laughs> it's amazing what the difference was of what nature does, but we do need to take care of nature. And, and I really appreciate what you've done with your book. And, and I really encourage people to go and get it. It's, it's delightful reading in that you're you're a really good writer. You get you you get everyone snuck you know right in there immediately. You connect with Abby, so you know so fast. I, lo- I love I love her art project. I'm like I want to go do that. Um, so really, it's it's a great read, and I I'm excited to finish it. 
But I, I love that you really do have that, you know, the banner of hope there because we need that. We absolutely mm-hmm. do. And, and hope will happen. You know, we'll get through it if we do take action. Uh, Sam, uh, it's out everywhere, bookstores everywhere. Go if you're independent bookstores, we got to support them too. Um, the book, again, is The Edge of Elsewhere. And the author is Sam Stia. Uh, Sam, um, we got music for you. We always like to play music for people, and I think you might recognize oh, it. Yeah, but oh, we appreciate you joining us. It's it's been a true pleasure connecting with oh, you and sure. and hearing yes, your thoughts you, and, and writing. Lisa. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Nancy and Lisa. Yes. Are you going to do more and, before you? Are you going to write more? Oh, uh, I'm I'm starting. I I guess I have to. Once you do it once, it kind of gets in your blood. So, uh, you know, it's, um, I guess it's like, it's like, you know, doing running. It's like, you know, you kind of get addicted to it and it's hard mm. to stop. So yes, I'm working on something new. Oh, cool. Oh, good. Very good. good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate work and, and we appreciate your work in the health side of things too. And, and being able to connect sure. the dots, I think that's a, that's an important thing too. But here's your song. This is from our friends at the Madisons. They're up in Greenville, Tennessee, in the Appalachian mm-hmm. area. And this is from mm-hmm. their latest album. And the album is called About Tomorrow, which is a good theme for your book, right? And um, oh, very the, good. Song, the song, this is a cover, their version of For What It's Worth. And just going back in, into the hippie oh, part I, that we are. I, I, I love that song. Uh, yes, yeah. that was. Ba- that was uh... That was uh, the group. Uh, hold on, uh, I can't remember the group's name. Uh, the Yardbirds. It was that the Yard. No, was that the Yardbirds? No, uh, no, it's, it's oh no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, oh, it, it was. Um, I've got to get it. <laughs> no, Buffalo Springfield. Buffalo. Yes, Buffalo Springfield. Yes, we we yes. we must capture that uh, zeitgeist of change yes. and hope from Absolutely. that time. Yes, indeed. So I think this is the perfect song. I was like, oh, we got to play this. Yeah. For what it's worth, everybody, again, this is the Madisons covering it. Uh, You can get it on their latest album, About Tomorrow. And you can go to madisonsmusic.com for more about that. And we get to see them, uh, hopefully, when we get there uh, this month sometime. So here it is, everyone, for what it's worth. Everyone, please take care and wear your mask. And uh, everyone, keep up with our shows at bigblendradio.com. We always appreciate you all listening. And thank you, Sam. Here it is. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Please. Yeah.
thousand. 